To the Tuga, the Everything Portuguese Soccer Podcast by the fans for the fans. Christian, Mitch, I'm Kevin. Thanks so much for tuning in. And my goodness, we have quite the show for you today. We are a few days away from the big World Cup qualifier, Portugal taking on Turkey. Uh, the winner of that will advance to the uh, final playoff game. Uh, the winner take all trip to Qatar on the line uh, against either North Macedonia or Italy. Fernand Sanch has released his roster. Uh, well, let's just go through it before we start talking about it here. Uh, so there it is. Anthony Lopes, Diogo Costa, Rui Patricio, Cedric Suarez, Diego Dalot, João Cancelo, Gonçalo Inácio, José Fonte, Pep, Nuno Mendes, Rafael Guerrero, Danilo, Ruben Neves, William Carvalho, Bruno Fernandes, João Moutinho, Mateus Nunes, Otávio, Bernardo Silva, André Silva, Cristiano Ronaldo, Diego Jota, Gonçalo Guedes, João Felix, Rafael Leão. The names you see on the side, those are the names that uh, Mitch and Christian feel should have been left on, uh, should have been on the, the roster. So why don't we start, boys? Um, what do you think of this roster? Yeah, much of what we expected. <clears throat> uh, the couple surprises. Uh, obviously, but uh, I mean, I think our starting 11 is going to be somewhat the same regardless, but uh, I, I just wanted to add on one more thing. Nevs, I believe he got injured, right? And uh, yesterday. So, yesterday, so we don't know what it is. We yet. don't know what it is. So uh, they're they're talking about a lot of uh, Betinha or João Polinha coming in. We don't know 100, 100%, but I mean, for the most part, our, uh, our main 11 uh, should be the same. What do you think? I agree in the sense that, you know, it's it's much kind of what we expected out of Fernand Sanch. Um, what I disagree most about this call-up, and we talked last week, we, we named 26 players. Um, and we named 26 because we, we couldn't find any, we couldn't find anything on, on you know, how much, or how many players could actually get called up for these qualifiers? So we just kind of went off of how many players uh, Fernand Sanch called for the previous uh, qualifiers. But when we saw Italy called 33 players, Turkey called 27, I started doing some research and I realized, okay, you actually, there's no limit to how many players you can call up for these games. The only thing is, come game time, you can only dress 23 players. You can bring all the players you want, but come game time, you can only bring 23 players. You can only dress 23 players. So to that point, I'm absolutely baffled as to why Fernand Sanch chooses to only bring in 25 players for this game. With the amount of depth that we have, why would you not? Like he left some massive names off of this roster. Why wouldn't you bring some of these guys? Why wouldn't you bring them? Why wouldn't you have them there? Even if you're not going to dress them, you might see something in training that clicks a chemistry that you weren't aware of. Like we're not talking about small names that he left off the list. Ricardo Horta is the highest scoring Portuguese player in the world. And he left them at home. Like I, I, I and, and it just, Shows us, I think that Fernand Sanch is not planning on changing a goddamn thing. He is going to keep it same old, same old, and he's going to go with 
what he feels is tried, tested, and true. That that's the only thing that I the rationale that I can see from him leaving some of these guys. I couldn't agree more, and it would have been a great opportunity because uh, I know Kevin touched up on it uh, last podcast. This could be a lot of these guys' last, uh, you know, World Cup potentially. So why not take the opportunity to call up more guys, like you said, uh, see if you see any more chemistry or give another player a chance, even just for training. Keep that in, and that intensity in the training is going to be high. These are two massive games. It's been a great, great, great opportunity to get more question. names there. You know, play with them, see what's going on, and potentially build some chemistry. I'm going to ask you a question. You played, you played soccer. Yes. Your whole life. Yes. When you train, do you normally have scrimmage? Yeah, for sure. Pretty standard. Pretty right? standard. Yep. That's a great way for Fernand Sanch or any coach to see how their starting eleven is going to work, right? Yeah. In a scrimmage scenario. Hundred percent. Tell me something. Who are the two center backs playing against his starting eleven in scrimmage? <laughs> That's a good point. I actually never thought about that, especially when you're uh, only calling up three center backs potentially. A fourth center back. Who's playing center back? <laughs> I, I really – I would love to be a fly on the wall in training. Who's playing center back? Like, I, the fact that, again, if it was – he was limited to 23 or 25 players, okay. But the fact that you can call up and, and, and Italy called 33 players, Turkey called 27, why would you not call a couple extra guys? I, I, it's mind-boggling to me. It makes zero sense. I, I, I was thinking about it yesterday. I'm like, who's playing center back Pretty in sure. scrimmage? And uh, another thing we touched up on is the the Nilu and William partnership being called up. We we mentioned last podcast that if you know, mostly me, I would be more disappointed to see you know those two players just given the fact that we sort of know what's coming against Turkey and Italy. That that same set that same system potentially the two thirinks. Especially now that even if Nedge might not even call up, it's even more adamant that he's going to play, or more likely that he's going to play Danilo and, and William again in the midfield. <laughs> Just pretty disheartening. I mean, if it's worked before, okay, but man, we're in this situation. We're in a playoff be- because he's not bringing a new idea. It's, it's clearly not working. And, and it's just his mentality. Like I was listening to his press conference um, during the call-ups, and he's sitting there saying, you know, there's this hysteria around uh you know the selection uh let, let's let's uh, realize we we only didn't win one game and i'm saying this you moron you didn't not win one game you lost one game but you failed to win two another two a total of three games that you didn't win and that's why you're in the situation that you're in and that's the kind of mentality and that, that but that's that drives the mentality me crazy. that 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 he has that just drives Honestly, I, everyone I know some people overlook this, but when you have a coach, a leader of the team, when you talk like that, I might not see much. Could be factual. Could be factual. Things you're saying, but it it creates and it gives off this energy to the team. This lackluster, small team mentality that it, it creates. Oh, we only lost once. Yeah, we didn't. We didn't win three, but that game that we lost was the biggest game 100%. of the season. Was it just a regular game? It was the biggest game at home in front of your fans to go to the World Cup. So the fact that he's underselling it right there, it, it bothers me that much more. But that's the beauty of sport, right? Like with sport, 
we celebrate the wins, we celebrate the highs, but then when there's one negative, when there's one loss, when there's whatever, then we have a tendency to amplify that bigger than sometimes it needs to be. I'm not saying that, oh my gosh, Portugal was perfect or whatever, or that Fernando Sanchez is right. No, look, at the end of the day, yeah, he they lost one game in qualifying. And normally that should be more than enough to get you through, quite frankly. You know, you should be able to have a bit of a slip up. The problem with him, though, is you had a couple of those draws, and this was a group that Portugal, quite frankly, should have had no problems with whatsoever. And that's what that comes down to. So let's take a look at the lineup. And, you know, obviously one of the big ones, and we talked about it last week, was uh, Zessa from Wolves uh, not being part of the lineup. To your guys' point, should Portugal have brought in, uh, you know, more players? Certainly, I mean... Uh, why not? Especially with COVID going on and we're at a point of the year where, you know, it, injuries are a little bit more prevalent now because it's just, it's a longer season so far and so far so forth. My goodness, I can't talk this morning. Um, so, yeah, as a backup, absolutely. It'd be wonderful to have. I think leaving him off this lineup tells me two things. Number one, it tells me, quite frankly, that Fernand Sanch is looking at, hey, Rui Patricio is my guy. He's the guy that has taken us all through here. I still have faith in him. I still have confidence in him. So I'm going to ride the guy who has taken us to this point. I don't necessarily blame the guy. We could debate whether he's right or wrong. I don't necessarily debate that. As a coach, you want to have faith in the players that you have. And if that's the guy that you have full faith in, why not? Um, to that point, though, Zessa is having an amazing season with Wolves, and he certainly deserves uh, a look. But if he's just going to be going there to just be sitting around doing nothing, he's better off resting at home, helping, getting ready to help Wolves potentially go to Europe. With that said, a couple days ago, he didn't have the best game against Leeds, and Leeds isn't exactly lightening up the English Premier League. So I'm not necessarily saying that Zessa is the answer here. I think we can all agree he is going to be the answer starting for uh, Euro 2024. Um, but yeah, like yeah, last week, I definitely would have been a lot more disappointed with Zessa being left off. This week, uh, it doesn't really bother me too much. 100%. Uh, and you know what? I'm not completely against uh, starting Patricio in those two games. He has been our uh, national team goalie for a very long time. He's He's been there for us a long, for, for many, many years, even in the, the youth level. So I don't potentially disagree with... Uh, with Patricio starting over Jessa. But yeah, should he be got called up? Okay, yes. But is it going to really affect everything? I don't think so. I don't think he would have been playing. Oh, hold on, boys. We just lost you. Uh, the joys of live podcasting. Uh, we're just waiting for Christian and Mitch's uh, connection to come through. I'm just going to send them a text, see uh, how they are. But uh, we will continue with this. Uh, let's see what ends up happening here. Uh, for those of you just joining in, in Edmonton, uh, we do have a, a bit of a snowstorm uh, hitting us, so that could potentially be causing some of the problems. Uh, again, we have... Uh, so we're just waiting to see what they end up saying. So, um, sorry, I'm just going to message them here. Uh, maybe. maybe. Uh, so let's see what happens. I'm just going to, uh, we will see what happens. Anyways, while we wait for them, again, uh, Portugal's lineups here, uh, again, as we were talking about Zessa, uh, I think we all agree that it's not the end of the world. Um, 
with Zessa. So that's not the end of the world there. Uh, Vitinha, that's another player, key player that many of us had talked about, probably should have made the lineup. Um, he's also been named to Portugal's uh, uh, U20, U20, U21 team uh, for European qualifications. So we wait and see what happens uh, with that. Uh, Christian and Mitch back into it. So we're going to bring them in. Boys, welcome back. Wow. The joys of uh, live television <laughs> uh, or live podcasting anyways. Uh, hey, I was just uh, telling our uh, listeners, our viewers, uh, we're, I was bringing in Vitinha. Uh, unless, Mitch, you wanted to talk about Zessa before we get to Vitinha. Yeah, just really quickly. Um, you know, Zessa right now is arguably one of the best goalkeepers in the world, let alone Portuguese goalkeepers. Uh, and I say that because he's got the best safe percentage in the EPL. He's arguably the best goalkeeper in the EPL right now. So if you think that the EPL is the best league in the world, then Zessa is potentially the best goalkeeper in that league. He's arguably the best goalkeeper in the world right now. Um, so I think... He didn't look it. He didn't look it on Thursday. Didn't look against it Against Leeds? Against Leeds. Those three goals... The, you know, he's not at it, fault for those. I wouldn't say he's at fault for those. The third one he was, right between his legs? Come on. So, Come on. Hey, I think this is a good opportunity to ask uh, both of you. Um, are you, okay, if you were a coach, would you call up players that are in form or, you know, have been there for you on the national team previous? And previous you got to find the balance. So, personally, before I, I let you guys take the, the rein on this, I think it's a bit of both. I think you got to, that's why when you touched up earlier about bringing in more players, you sort of see who's going, you see, you sort of see who's hot and clicking. And then obviously you have your, your main pillar uh, experience players, obviously like the Cristiano Ronaldo, Rupa Patricio, and we just talked about him and Chessa, he's one of them, uh, you know, so on and so forth. Pep is another one. So you have that base, but personally, I think riding that, that hot player, trickling in some guys, not over the top, especially like these are, t- one game, one mm-hmm. one game, but trickling some good guys that can spark Portugal yeah. and create competition. Competition on a team, on any team, whether it's hockey, whether it's curling, like uh, Kevin likes to say, wh- whatever it is, to have you know competition. You're fighting for that position. Mm-hmm. It's only going to benefit the national team. So trickling in some of these younger players, you know, that little bit of spark, I think and personally can help. I, I praise the shit out of Roberto Mancini for bring, calling 33 players. Everybody's yeah. like, why the hell are you calling? Man, to your point, competition. Everybody is going to want to be part of the 23 that dress for those two games. He brought an extra 10 players. That means 10 players are going to be left out come game day. How hard do you think these guys are going to be going at it in training to show Mancini that they deserve a spot on, on, on that 23-man squad? That is a brilliant coach. So we have Adam here uh, watching. Thanks for tuning in. He asks, uh, if they want these players on the CELSO at some point in the future, then why not add them now to start gaining experience in chemistry? You're not wrong there. You're not wrong there. But I think one of the biggest difference, though, right now is if this was just regular qualifying, a 1,000% agree there's no questions asked. This is essentially your World Cup. These potentially two games. We can't even call it two games. Right now, we're starting with just Turkey. It's one and done. 
you, you shouldn't be experimenting at this point. You shouldn't be, you know, you should have your lineup locked in. You should have your guys that you trust and the guys that you know are going to get the job done. So to that point, I'm going to say this. Let's take a look at this lineup. And the question is going to be very simple. The guys on this roster, and again, take a look at the left-hand side of your screen. Don't look at the right hand. That's the the list that uh, Mitch and, and Christian have, you know, thought players that should have potentially been called up as well. But looking at that, the the official list of players that were called in. Looking at that lineup, is this not a lineup that should get you into the World Cup? hundred percent. It, it still should. I don't think uh, there's just, like I said, our main eleven. Not much has changed. There's a couple question marks. I totally agree. But, yeah, going up against Turkey, just based on talent and what these players are and where they are in the world stage, I obviously we should win. But, unfortunately, the game's not played on paper. There's a lot more in, involved. Uh, i got to add on one more thing. I think it's a huge advantage uh, that we're playing at home. I think that's going to help us, especially against a team like Turkey. Uh, Turkey, they beat uh, – the Dutch at home, the first leg. They went away. They lost six one. So that that home field advantage will help, especially against a team like Turkey. We all know how crazy those Turkish fans are. Yeah, uh, they definitely amplify everything. So I think that's a huge advantage. But in these one and done games, uh, even look like at Ajax Befica. Uh, uh, Befica played a great defensive game, but. I mean, I think even the most diehard Befica fan could say that, you know, they were pressed. Uh, Ajax was all over them, which we expected. That's not out of the ordinary. But that can happen. That can happen. Uh, Turkey could come up on a corner, a free kick, score, and we're out. So, I mean, a lot, lot of things can happen. But on paper, yes, we are the favorite. Yes, we should win. Yeah, and to that point, I think that's that's exactly why Fernand Sanchez has gone this road. He's not going to stray out of his... Very predictable, four-three-three, <laughs> controversial, and that is what he's going to roll in with. Yeah. Uh, you know, plug and play. Which in theory should work. In theory, in theory, should in work. theory it should work, especially at the very least against Turkey. Like if, if you go up against Italy, um, with that, with his tried, tested, and true method, and I put that in quotations. But if if that's how we go into the game against potentially Italy, that could be a different story. But yes, you're right, Kevin. It, technically, in theory, we should be beating Turkey all day, every day. But we also should have beat Serbia. Serbia. And we should have yeah. beat Ireland. And we didn't. So yeah. it, it it does not leave. I had a conversation, a good Italian buddy of mine, we were talking the other day, and I was telling him I I would fe- I'd be feeling more confident if I was Italian right now than than being Portuguese because, man, our team just doesn't, in, in games where they should be putting teams away, we cannot, we have not been able to get the attacking superiority that we should be having over teams like in Ireland. Like, we should be putting games like that away 3, 4, 5 nil with the, the amount of attack, attacking power that we have on our team. But that's but that's been Portugal's Achilles heel for years. Teams that we should be beating, we have a tendency to play down to and just kind of have that mentality where we come into the game and it's like, yeah, we got this. We're, we're going to win. Well, we'll get it done eventually. It doesn't really matter. 
you know, that Ireland game, quite frankly, Portugal should have won that. They were just dominating that game left, right, and center. And that goalkeeper was outstanding. But still, Portugal should have found the back of the net. When I look at Portugal, though, you know, I think back to uh, Euro, the game against Belgium where we lost, and that was a loss that we all agreed was as as shitty as it was that Portugal lost. Portugal played outstanding. Portugal played really well. They played extremely well. And that's the one thing that I will say. When it is a game that actually, I don't want to say matters because that Serbia game did matter, but there's there's no room for error here. There there is no if you oh you know what if you slip up you can get in through a playoff route here. This is the time when Portugal really seems to shine, and that's where I have a little bit more confidence in it. Whereas with that Serbia, you still have that. Well, if we don't get it done, we'll just go through the playoffs. It's fine. Mm-hmm. We've we go through playoff all the time. But this is one and done, and I think that automatically changes the the mindset and the perspective of these players. To Christian's point, I think home field will absolutely be an advantage. And I think the other part of all of this is we see it. The players aren't stupid. They see it as well. They realize that this is the end of this generation. They know that this is their last shot here. Cristiano Ronaldo will not be going to the World Cup in Canada in 2026. Maybe as a coach or whatever, an ambassador, but he ain't going to be going as a player. So this is the last opportunity. And if the players can't get up and get the job done, then they have no business putting on the shirt. So let's get back to the lineup. Vitinha, should he be in the lineup? I, I personally think he, he should be. Uh, I'm a, Like we touched up on earlier, I, I think he's a good player. He's hot. Why not give him a chance? At least uh, if you're not going to bring him, bring him up. You know, get, get him that experience. Give, but if he takes uh, his spot, how many teams have – uh, has this happened where they called up a youth player or somebody up, and then in training they just blow their mind and they have no choice but to yeah. to bring him in? He could potentially be one of those players. Why not try? Uh, I think he's he's won three player of the months this se- this season. Young player. Uh, me and Mitch, we like to watch the U twenty ones, the young guys. Even at U twenty one level, we were talking about how special this guy was, and uh, he's been doing it for a long time. First place in the Portuguese league. Why not bring him up? Why not? Is it possible that the coaching staff from the U21s were like, hey, we would actually prefer to have him for our European qualifications? And it's kind of a political thing? Potentially. Yeah, that's a good idea. <clears throat> Honestly, I, I might have to disagree with you there. I think the conversation that might happen, that's more uh, that, that I would think would happen, is if he's not going to play, definitely put him on the mm-hmm. U21. Yeah. Like pretty much yeah. what happened with Pedro Gonçalves at the last tournament. Mm-hmm. He did not play. Uh, but so if he's not going to play, yeah, put him in the U21 team. Yeah. They're not playing time. Maybe potentially win a trophy. So if he's not going to play, yeah, go U21. But if he, he can potentially sneak in there even as a sub or mm-hmm. whatever, bring him up yeah. 100%. But like you said, even even to start in, and, and what Adam said, like, these guys are going to be a part of the future. These guys should be coming in for these big games, even if these guys don't dress, for them to be around the locker room, for them to be in this setting, in a mata-mata situation, to start playing with these guys, to start getting some chemistry, even if it's in just training. I, I, I don't see the problem. I don't see what's wrong with that. I don't see why he wouldn't find that, 
that beneficial for and, and maybe not all of these players, but a good chunk of them at least. You know, another another three or four guys. What's I, I don't understand why you wouldn't want to just add some some depth, you know, and and see a couple of guys in in training and see how they play, try a couple of different things. Yeah, but so no, I, this is Mata Mata, and, and to Kev's point, it's Mata Mata, and he he knows exactly what he thinks needs to be done. He knows exactly what players he needs to use in order to yeah. execute that that strategy. I, and that's I might have to disagree with you there. I don't think he knows what what his tactics are. No, he thinks are. he knows. No, because if you just base it on the last three games, we even talked about in previous podcasts, the amount of rotations he's been doing. Yeah. The players in, players out. That just tells me that, no, he's he's still trying to figure it out. And I we talked about in the past where he we were going into the last games he still doesn't have his lineup set. He's throwing in guys left, right, and center. So I personally respectfully disagree with but you there. I don't, I don't think he, he truly knows. He knows I, I guess in some ways, though, I mean, we criticize him for being predictable. We criticize him for being unpredictable, not knowing the lineup. I mean, at some point, you know, you got to cut a guy a little bit of slack here. I think that, and look, I'm not trying to be a, a finansunch uh, defender here by no stretch of the imagination, but look, at the end of the day, the players that he has called up, there's absolutely no reason why Portugal shouldn't be at least going into the final playoff game against either North Macedonia or Italy. And I say North Macedonia or Italy because, quite frankly, in games like this, situations like this, Anything can happen. Just take a look at Greece 2004 with uh, Portugal. Um, I do think, though, that, you know, you guys have played uh, soccer, um, you know, for a number of years. I think the one question, though, is if you're a player and you get called up and you're obviously, yes, I agree, Mitch, that you want to be around in these situations because you can learn a lot. You can see the excitement and so forth. But if you're a guy, you know, you know that Fernand Sanchez is not going to put you in whatsoever. You're literally just going there to be a body. Is that still advantageous? Absolutely. And to that point, if you're if you're the manager of your club team, are you like, look, I'd rather you be sitting here, resting up, getting ready for our final stretch in the season, help us get our job done, than going there and basically doing nothing. Right, yeah, like I, I get it. There has me. to be a balance. <clears throat> I get, I get that point. But, but to, to what we were talking about earlier, I think it's it creates competition in within the squad, and I think that's only a good thing. And you, you get called up, and you know there's going to only be twenty three players, and you know, you know, there's two or three other guys that you're going to be vying for that potential spot. Man, guys are going to show up in training. Guys are going to give it everything. Guys are going to. It creates that comp, that healthy competition in a squad that you're gonna start to see the best out of these players, and who truly wants to be there and not is isn't just complacent because they're 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 the shoe in. Yeah, I'm gonna give you guys an example, and I'm whatever for talk about sporting because that's the team I watch the most. <laughs> so uh, last year, uh, Jean Pelegna, I think we can all agree, was an absolute monster. Uh, Pot, top goal scorer in the Portuguese league. Uh, Paulinho, the most expensive transfer. Sporting's history, I believe. Now we brought in Slomani. Uh, Paulinho, you know, was not playing that good. Slomani came there. He's under pressure. He's performing. Pot didn't start last game. You know, you have Slomani starting. He's 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 getting hungry. He's upset. 
Palinha Ugarte has taken his position. He went down and injured. They have to fight for their position. Edwards came in last game, scored a big goal. These players that were top, top players that we won the league last year with are fighting for a position with, with the younger kids, with the younger guys. And guess what? The performance goes up because they're like, oh, man, you know, I might not have my spot. Even uh, uh, Ruben Amoni was told, told Plaguinha, he's like, oh, Plaguinha is probably not sleeping well tonight because now he's got some competition out there. If you've seen Plaguinha's face last game, he was pissed. And that just goes to the example and trying to refer to what we're talking about here. These guys, yeah, they might be younger. Yeah, they might not have experience. But if they go into training and they're playing, and these guys, trust me, you grow up wanting to play for the national team. Yeah. These guys, World Cups, their life. They'll go there and they'll give everything they have. And healthy competition, man. And but is this the game? Up. Is this the game, though? Even if you have a guy who comes in and has great training and looks really good, and yes, they're in form, but maybe they don't have the necessary national team experience, is these are these the games that you want to try putting them in and uh, give them? Uh, like, I mean, that's at some point you got to weigh the the risk and reward here, right? And, and I, I think I at some point you want to go with the yeah. guys that you trust and the guys that have got for you sure. Here. For, for sure. sure, but those could also be the really, really big weapons that you keep on the bench. Yeah, for sure. Because you know, Buddy was busting his ass in training. He wants it. And if you're 75th minute and you're tied nil-nil and one of your key guys is spent, that's that's the, the weapon you want to bring in. Yeah, yeah. Because he's the guy that's hungry. He's going to want the ball. He's going to want to create chances. He's going to want to do something. Those are the players that you need. And and I think a, a very good way of, of kind of identifying who's up for it is by having that really good, healthy competition. I, I, I couldn't agree more. And and that's me saying that. It's not, I'm not saying take out six players and start a new for six sure. players. Yeah. I'm talking about maybe one that one guy that could come in that really impressed in training. Or like Mitch just touched up on, that push that level up. You know what I mean? Give Make them a little nervous. Yeah. You know, up that competition. But... I don't know. That, that's just the way I see so it. So let's let's try and peg a, a starting eleven here. Let's let's have a look at the list again, Kev. Just give me two seconds, guys. Hold on. Talk guys. amongst yourselves. Because I I've been thinking about this ever since you, the call up happened to kind of start to narrow down what I think the the starting eleven is going to be and what we want. What Fernand Sanch might want out of out of a game with with Turkey, um, you know, I think we need to try to go into this game. We need to control the game from from the start. We need to take the game to Turkey. So we need to have players who are good in possession, guys who can knock the ball around well, keep the ball at their feet, string good passes together, and I feel like that we need to try to really take the game to. Turkey as much as as much as possible. So to that point, you start to more so in the midfield is where it starts to get tricky in terms of trying to figure out what pieces you're going to put in and what what you're going to slot into a, a, a four three three scenario. So keepers, I don't know. Is there any doubt? Julio Patricio, no doubt, is is the starter. That's no the guy. That's the guy. Okay. So starting at left back, are you going Guerreiro or Mench? Uh I'd be okay with both. Uh Guerreiro is an experienced role, but I think uh 
I think it would be time for Mint. Uh, if it was against Italy, believe it or not, I think I'd maybe lean towards Gredu, the more mm-hmm. experienced guy. But uh, against Turkey, I believe we're going to be on the attacking front. And if we're on the attacking front, uh, I think Nunez would be uh, would be a little bit more lethal in the sense that he's very fast. Mm. He can swing in a lot of crosses. That element that he's in, that he can give in a, a team against Tur- uh, against Turkey, I think he, he, for me personally, he would be the guy. I'm gonna go with Guerrero just because to that point, I think. Uh, even stat-wise, uh, Guerrero's been a little bit more lethal in uh, in the attacking department than than Menz has been this this year. I like his experience a little bit better in a game like this, so I would personally go with Guerrero. Kev? Oh yeah, a thousand percent. I'd be going with Guerrero. Uh, you want the experience, and uh, yeah, uh, you're gonna. There's gonna be no surprises here, guys. Center backs, Pep and Font. I don't think Pep and Font. I don't think you're gonna question. Uh, right back for the for the game against Turkey. Are you going Cedric or Dalo? Uh, so what I think, I think Dalo should be there. I think Fernand Sanch would potentially lead towards Cedric. Uh, he's won the Euro with him, and he's actually uh, been playing really he's well playing at Arsenal. Well. Yeah. Very yeah. But I I like Dalo more. Like what I was saying with uh, Minch. Yeah. he's really good attacking wing back. Uh, he has that chemistry with uh, if Bruno starting and Ronaldo, which I think is a uh, it's very important mm-hmm. to have you know players there that understand each other and have that chemistry. I would lean towards Dalo. Same here. Like just Dalo. just okay. that back four and with Rui Patricio, if if they are all on their game and they should, my goodness, how do they not get to Sunday's final? And mm-hmm. I'm not trying to downplay Turkey here because you know since Turkey got a new uh, manager who used to be, I believe, the manager of Germany's U21s. Um, they haven't lost. So, I mean, Turkey is certainly no pushover. But again, that back four with Rui Patricio like on the on the ball, we should have no problems. No, I don't like that. I'll let you try to start this one. I, I, I have my personal view, but I, I don't think that, it's that's that's the thing. I'm gonna I'm gonna say what I personally would go with, and then what Fernand Sanchez will likely go with. I think. To the, to the point I made earlier where we need to try to control this game. We need to win the midfield. That needs to be our our strength in this game. We need to take the game to Turkey. I think we need a midfield that gels very well together. And to that point, I think Moutinho and Nevsh need to start in that midfield. They need to be our, our pairing with Brun Fernandes. So I would go Moutinho, Brun Fernandes. And Ruben Nevsh. And I think that midfield core would allow us to really take hold of that midfield and control the game. So it is, if that's if Nevsh is healthy. If Nevsh is healthy. If Nevsh is healthy. Yeah. Um, so I think, I'll start off by saying what I think what uh, Fernando Santos is going to be doing. He's going to play with Danilo at uh, CDM. Uh, he's going to play with William in the midfield and maybe a João Moutinho or a Bruno Fernandes. In uh, recent history, he's liked Joel Moutinho a little bit more. I think that's his midfield. Personally, me, uh, I would like Nevsh in the midfield. I would even play with, uh, I know this is a little bit controversial, but he plays a lot in this position. Uh, with Manchester City, I'm, I really like uh, 
of Bernardo Silva in the midfield. I like I would since we're going to be more on the attacking front. This is going to change if we potentially play it. Uh, Lord, I hope you're right. I hope yes. we are on the attacking front. Yes, like, we're I, at home. Not just we're the favorite. I think we we're going to be the one you know pressing them. So I would like Bernardo Silva and Bruno Fernandes in the midfield. In the midfield, yes. Yeah. Not a bad. So Danilo. So you're thinking Danilo, Danilo Bernardo Silva, and Bruno Fernandes. Yes. Not a bad. That's not a bad midfield. Yeah. And then up front. What are we looking like? I think it's the the standard uh, Cristiano Ronaldo Jota. And Shocker. Then, and then and then if Bernardo's in the midfield, I mean Leon has been playing very very good, very good. I I would like to see Felix there. Yeah, I, think so. I think he's been playing really good with Atletico. Uh, he adds that little bit of flash in the pan in the mm-hmm. midfield. Uh, I, I would I would think he'd gel in well in that front I think three. So too. I think Jota, Jota, Ronaldo, and Felix are the are your front three for this game all day. Do we know if uh, by the way, just for those of us who are tuning in, do we know if any of these games are going to be like on TSN or Sportsnet? I think sure. UEFA TV is uh, yeah. is, is that's the only way to watch games. it, eh? I think so. Not sure. Don't hold me to that. But yeah, you wait for TV. Anybody can just pull okay. it up on the phone uh, or I'm just check, stream it to the I'm checking TV. right now. I'm checking right now. Uh, yeah, it's not on TSN or Sportsnet. Look at that. Uh, and then, hold on. I'm just going to check one one other thing here, guys. Just because I know that people, curious minds, curious minds. Oh, where is it? Uh, oh. Uh, TLN will have the Italy game. TLN will have the Italy game. Uh, actually, hold on. Let me check Sportsnet again, just because uh, I uh, was looking at the wrong time. Yeah, so Italy game is on TLN, so the Portugal game, UEFA TV. Um, okay, uh, I want to go back to um, to Turkey here in the sense of we're all confident that Portugal can win. I think Portugal should win. I think Portugal will win. Uh, the question mark is um, Turkey is a vastly different team these last four games that they've had in qualifying since they changed up their uh, their manager. I think there's going to be a lot of unpredictability there. Uh, what is the key to success? How does Portugal win this game? Oh, man. Okay. Uh, there's many factors. So, like, Cristiano Ronaldo, there's always that, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo effect. He takes the games on his back like he did against Tottenham, and that's how we win. And, unfortunately, that's what we had to rely on in recent years, even with a team like this. Um, I I would like to see other players step up. We had we talked about it last tournament. Bernardo Silva and Bruno Fernandes had a horrible, horrible tournament. Uh, I remember a stat that I like to reference a lot. Never had a single pass, shot or assist that whole tournament and he played every game a lot of that's tactics we talked about like a guy like Juan Cancelo although he's not going to be playing against Turkey never, never even passed half the last game uh Bryn Fernandez in these big games let's call it how it is he hasn't shown what he's been showing in in Man United so I think the keys to win are to get the best out of anybody other than Cristiano Ronaldo yeah if we win that game and Cristiano doesn't even shoot, we don't even see his face, yeah. I'll be happy because, like, even a guy like Jota, Jota has been lighting it up for Liverpool. One of the best players in the Premier League. These are the guys that have to show up, use that star power. If we want to win, 
this game and potentially the next game, these guys have to be at the absolute top of their game. Yeah, I agree. And and it, you're right, man. This needs to be – this is the time for this new generation to take the stage and show what they can do at the at the national team level. It's a game like this that we need – we need to see why guys like Juan Felix were why somebody paid 120 million euros for. These guys need to show up and they need to take the game to Turkey and they need to be ruthless, man. We need to be ruthless. And and to your point, we cannot go into this game and and play scared or or you know just just kind of trot along and and you know be no it go go for the kill immediately. Take the game to them. Grab that ball play possession, find the spaces, and and let's annihilate these guys because we have this power to do it, and we need to see that from this lesson. And and you know what? Touching up on that, uh, I'm going to reference that Portugal-Belgium game. We got knocked out of that tournament, but we we seen Portugal play good. It hurt, but we're like, man, they they, mm-hmm. they showed it out there. If they lose to Turkey, and but we see – them going out and that that they, we we can accept it, but one thing we can't accept, and that's probably why we're taking all these shots at Fernando and all these things because we don't see it. If these guys go into the to that game and give that lackluster performance, and they go and score, so we have nothing to to, to you know to grow on. To, to we're just going to be so disheartened. But I guarantee, it's, although it's going to be super painful, if we go into Turkey and we see them attacking them. Showing heart, gacha, and then that exact scenario happens where they come and score and we lose. I think that'll be easier to, to adjust and to take than if you know showing that boring soccer that that we were hating right now. That's oh, I working. disagree. I disagree one thousand percent, and and I'll tell you why. Because under normal circumstances, you're you're the reason why that loss against Belgium was. You're like, wow, okay, I can I can take solace in this, is because you knew that this was still going to be the team going into World Cup qualifying. You knew mm-hmm. Fernando Sanchez was still going to be the guy that's going to be running this. If Portugal goes and plays really well or whatever, but then they lose out against Turkey, Fernando Sanchez most likely will not be the manager. Yeah. For Portugal going into Euro 2024, which means mm-hmm. we're going to have a new manager. There's going to be a new look. There's going to be everything will be different. So in that case, in that situation, no, I don't give a shit if Port if, if Portugal looks great, but then they lose against Turkey. No, you got to win. Oh, there, sure. there, there's agree. no there's no gray area here. You either win or you lose. Yeah, I you guess can play I... well. You can play lose. I don't care. You can play the most boring soccer, in, and I know you hate this, Christian, but literally. Portugal could just sit back, do nothing. It's like that old Simpsons episode where it's just like, holds it, holds it, holds it. But if they get the job done and they qualify, who cares? We're moving on, and then let's go ahead and figure out what we need to do to win in Qatar. The goal here is you got to win. I don't care how you do it. You need to slide around, put in guys that you just slide around, get red cards. I don't Whatever. Do whatever you need to do. Just get the job done. And Fernando Sanchez knows that. He knows that his his job is is on the line. There's there's a lot of pressure, man. There, there's a ton of pressure to be Fernando Sanchez right now because you literally will go from potentially, arguably, one of the greatest managers that this lesson was ever seen. And it's hard to argue that because he gave us a Euro and he gave us a Nations League to 
one of the most hated and failed because he failed to get arguably the most talented group of players this country has ever had. And he failed to get them to a World Cup for the first time in what we haven't been to since World Cup since '98. For sure. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's a big drop, and he's already on the way down. Like, for sure. You know, he's lost the confidence. I I don't know anybody personally who is confident in in Fernand Sanch today yeah. at the home of the Celestial. So Sometimes you just need a new look, man. It's like. Well, of course. You know, you know how many great managers have lost their job. Man? They're, they're still great managers. It's just sometimes you just need, you know, like I don't want to reference hockey and and uh, and uh, soccer the same thing, but like look at the Oilers. They had a great coach, Tippett. I I thought he was you know a great coach. He, they weren't winning. They got a, a young coach that you know doesn't have that nice resume, and there, it was just just that little spark. He might not even be better tactically. It's just sometimes. You just need a new look. Take nothing away from Fernando wow. Santos. But that's what I'm saying. To to be completely honest with you guys, I'm gonna I'm gonna put this out there. You hope they. Lose. I am I am always gonna cheer for Portugal, and my heart will always cheer for Portugal. And my heart wants Portugal at this next World Cup. But the better sense in me, and my head, knows that short term pain for long term gain. And Portugal losing out to either Turkey or, or potentially Italy would be the best long-term situation for I Portugal. couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. I feel the And same. it hurts me to say that. My heart hurts in saying that. But I know with my head that that is the reality. Well, maybe maybe Portugal can still qualify for the World Cup. And then Fernando Sanchez says, hey, I'm done at the World Cup. Yeah, see, but we'll that's the problem. Take over. Is that, that would never fucking happen. That's, yeah. And that's the problem. Because if he gets if he gets us through this, we know 100% that he's going to be the one there at the World Cup. We know yeah. that. And then we're going to have to painfully go through another tournament uh, for Fernando Sanchez at the helm. That's why I'm saying the short-term pain, short-term pain for long-term gain here is that we we lose out here. And as as painful as it is going to be for every single Portuguese fan out there, I think the long term benefits will be greater because. Yeah. So you heard it here first. Mitch is cheering for Turkey. <laughs> that, that is what we've heard, and that's what we see. Uh, so that game is coming up on Thursday, uh, and then uh, we'll see what happens. We'll see who they end up. Uh, well, we do have a very good record against Turkey, especially in in okay. uh, Europe. Okay, so let's back the truck up here. So Mitch decided to send all the stats of when Portugal, Turkey, all their all-time head-to-head matchups. So you're right, Portugal six and two all-time against Turkey. Uh, you know, we lost in 1955 to them, and then lost 10 years ago in a friendly, and the rest Portugal has won. So Portugal has beaten Turkey in games that matter: World Cup qualifying and European Soccer Championships. But guys, here's the thing with stats. None of this matters. None of this matters because this doesn't even it's not even relevant. If these were all games from like the last year to two years, different story. They haven't played each other in 10 years. It's a completely different lineup. Like it, 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 everything is different. So does it matter? I mean, yeah, it's nice. It sure is. But really, but we just wish we had these guys. Right? You know, that'd be kind of nice. Look at that! Look at that hair, man. This is this is uh, this game, which was Portugal, Turkey in Euro '96. Portugal won one nothing. 
uh, Fernando Couto scored. This was the very, very first Portugal slice down game I ever watched in my lifetime. My oh. dad had this game recorded on VHS, and I used to watch this game over and over, and it was the very first slice down game that I can actually remember seeing. I wouldn't mind getting my hands on one of these jerseys. Right? They look fresh. Very fresh. Uh, those jerseys <laughs> are pretty ugly. Those jerseys are pretty ugly. Uh, all right. Uh, switching gears here because we're almost up against the clock here. Uh, Benfica, Braga doing Portugal proud, advancing in Europe. So Braga advancing to the Europa League quarterfinals against Rangers. Um, it's actually a pretty good matchup for Braga. Not downplaying Rangers whatsoever, but uh, it's definitely a winnable game. Uh, Benfica versus Liverpool. Thanks for everything, Benfica. See you later. You're done. Mo Salah is going to destroy you. Yeah, it was uh, it was very unexpected. Uh, Befica, I'll be the first to say it, got very very lucky against Ajax. Uh, you know, we we were very much behind the ball for for ninety minutes, and <laughs> it was uh, it was painful to watch. Befica did not play well. Uh, I'll be the first to say it. They could not uh, control a ball if their life depended on it in the first half. It looked like they were playing hot potato out there. Um, and we, we got very lucky off of a free kick, a very questionable free kick, and Darwin puts us through. Um, it, it's one of those games. Uh, I was happy. I was on I was on the Befica end of it, but if I was on the Ajax end of it, which we've been all many times, I would have been just absolutely furious because, uh, you know, we, uh, unfortunately, we did not play well and probably didn't deserve to win the game. But we did. And now let's see what, what happens against uh, Liverpool. But uh, we did it in 2006, man, albeit with a very different team. But we did. We have knocked out Liverpool before. Yeah. So. I got to say it, and I never thought it would be the guy, but I was the only one. And I'm a little, feel a little dirty. <laughs> I gave Pifika a chance. You did. Only one. You did, yeah. Only Everybody doubted it. I'm like, you, you know did. what? And exactly is what happened. Yeah. I was like, man, you never know. You never know. Things could happen. You can just get one chance. And it's exactly what happened. And you know what? Every game's different. Like a lot of, I had to hear a lot about it because you know Ajax completely, uh, you know, did us. You know, they they, they, they destroyed us for lack of better words. I was gonna use something a little bit more uh, vulgar, but we'll go with that. Uh, but man, sometimes soccer is just about moments, man. It's a long year. It's a very long year. And at the beginning, it's the team gets hot. They're destroying everybody. They, I remember Ajax won the next game after a 13 nothing. Yeah. I mean, teams go through highs and lows. I've seen it with my team. I'm sure you've seen it with your team. And sometimes it's just catching them at the right time. You know? It, same with – it happens in hockey. Uh, a team gets hot just before the playoffs, and they can go right to the final. It's just ups and downs. And you know what? Nobody – everybody knew. If Bifika was going to win, they were never going to, you know – do what Ajax did to, to Bifika the other way around. This is how they had to win, and they mission accomplished. Uh, also, I wanted to touch up a little bit on Braga. They knocked out Monaco, and I don't know if you guys seen, Monaco beat PSG 3 nothing today. Three uh, PSG's been really nothing. inconsistent all year, especially in uh, League but, One. That, like, it's been... It just shows, like, you know, it's a, it was a huge accomplishment. I believe uh, Braga made $13 million so far in the Europa League, which is goes... Huge. Yeah, which is huge for a team like them. They sold Galeno this year. They're definitely in. Uh, they're definitely trending in the right direction. And uh, Bifica going through, uh, Braga going through is really good for our points uh, coming up against France. If we could potentially be passing them by the end of the year in the UEFA standings. Yeah, in the UEFA yeah. standings. So 
Yeah, good, good on them, and it just shows how strong our league is. Well, there's no French team in the quarterfinal of the Champions League, but there is the Lyon team. No, there's Lyon in the not in the Champions League no, in the Europa League. Europa League, yeah. there still is. Yeah, but uh, but in Champions League, um, no French team. Both Lille and PSG lost. So yeah. The fact that one Portuguese team went ahead is I, I don't know what that does specifically to the points, but it's got to put us ahead, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, because uh, we were we were neck and neck kind of thing with yeah. uh, with France in the in the stand in the year yeah. standing. So, so it's definitely it's definitely good for Portugal. No, hats off to Braga. I agree, hundred percent, man. They Carlos Carvajal is doing a great job with that team, yep. and they've been playing really really well all year, and and it's awesome to see. And I and I and I agree with Kevin. I think the they will more than likely go through. I, I put I put them beating. Yeah, them I I can see them beating Rangers absolutely. Yeah, uh, boys, as we approach the end here. Final prediction: Portugal, Turkey, Italy, North Macedonia. Who do you got? Uh, I don't want to do the solo pick, but I'm going to have to. I think these are just two jugg- juggernaut teams. I think it's going to be uh, Portugal and Italy going through. I see uh, two nothing Portugal, and then Italy. Uh, I could see uh, upwards of three nothing, three three or four nothing. I- I'd go three nothing just because it's a knockout game. They're both going to want to play, so I say two nothing Portugal, three nothing uh, Italy. Yeah, uh, I like those predictions. I'm going to go 2 nothing as well for Portugal just because uh, one of my favorite games of all time was uh, Portugal-Turkey Euro 2000. Nuno Gomes got, uh, got a brace that game, and uh, I'm going to go back to, to that great memory and hope for another 2 nothing win. And on the Italy side, yeah, I think they're going to go through maybe not 3 nothing, maybe 2-1. They'll be a little bit tighter of a game um, score, score line-wise, but for sure Portugal and Italy going, going through. You're picking uh, Macedonia. I know you, Kevin. You always throw a little. Uh... <laughs> I think I think Portugal. I think Portugal wins one uh, nil. I hope it's in uh, the ninety minutes. I hope it doesn't uh, go into oh, uh, extra time or or shootout or penalty kicks rather. Uh, and uh, I think Italy wins. Uh, I'm going to go two nil over North Macedonia. So it'll be Portugal versus Italy, and then. Whew, that's going to be something. So I know I don't like to go on potentials. But if those are your picks and they do go through, who do you got? Both of you guys. I mean, you know what? It's <clears throat> man, oh man. Portugal has the potential, has the talent and the potential to win. So it would not surprise me to see Portugal win. Um, but if I were to put money on the game, I would put it on Italy to be Portugal. And I do that every time they play. I just, Italy is just such a good defensive team. Um, and I, they, they're just, they're so lethal that I would just do that uh, at all times, but we've seen they're beatable They're They are a beatable team. There are no unbeatable teams in the world. So yeah, if it's Portugal, Italy, but again, we have to see how the games get played or whatever, but as of right now, yeah. Anyways, let's not talk about that. We got to beat Turkey first. <laughs> I, I do agree with Kev though. Yeah. Um, I, and it really, but it really all depends on how we play against Turkey. Yeah. If we come out and we look very dangerous against Turkey, I would lean towards Portugal in beating Italy. If we get through by the skin of our teeth playing very poor football, I'm going with Italy all day. I know this is going to sound crazy, and this might come back to to bite me in the ass, but I'm more scared of Turkey than Italy right now. I think Portugal is a team that gets up for these Portugal-Italy games. Mm Mm-hmm. They're, they're, I think they're more favored against Italy yeah, you're not wrong. than in Turkey. You're not wrong. Yeah. Uh, I think 
we we would match up well against uh, Italy. I, I well, and that's I'd, why, put us, I'd put us favorite in that game. And that's why I say that we can't overlook Turkey because Turkey is a very different team now with their new manager yeah. and they are a dangerous team. So Yo, that's Mads. the joy of soccer. And It'll Kaku, be fun. Kaku is good. Charlie Goglanu. I'm trying to say these guys' names. Charlie Goglanu. Uh, At the end of the day, it's not, it's not going to matter. All we need to say is Cristiano Ronaldo, three goals. Unbelievable. Oh, I love it. I, right? love it. I hope yeah. 37-year-old Ronaldo doesn't have to carry us again. But but hey, and if he does, whatever. Just whatever. get us to Qatar. Just take uh, us to Qatar. Mitch, Christian, I'm Kevin. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, we'll see you guys again. Uh, special broadcast, I believe, next Monday. Uh, where we will break down the uh, Portugal-Turkey game and hopefully we'll have something to look forward to uh, or else it'll be a very depressing show. So uh, <laughs> have a good one. Stay safe. Enjoy, everyone. Ciao,